My guest on this episode of Geek 4 is Dr. Tannis McDonald. Tannis is a poet and a professor, and her new book, Straggle, Adventures in Walking While Female, is out now from Woolsack and Wynn. When I reached out to Tannis to see if she might want to come on the show, she sent me a list of topics that she felt she could talk about. One of those topics jumped immediately off the screen. Tannis is a huge fan of films in which animals attack people. This was a delightful conversation. Tannis and I actually talk about a video, and she she shares it with me. Obviously, this being an audio medium, that's not possible to share with you, but I've included the link in the show notes. So if you want to watch a video of a deer boxing the snot out of a hunter, check the show notes and click the video. It's, it's wonderful. This was a delightful conversation. Tannis is a lot of fun to talk to, and I hope you enjoy this. This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? Tannis, welcome to Geek 4. Thank you for doing this. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. Oh, when you gave me a list of things that you like, um, it was amazing. Uh, And when it said, you like movies in which animals attack people, I was like, (laughs) we have to talk about that. That's clearly (laughs) the thing we have to talk about. I, other things were great. I, you know, I understand that that is not how you know me, and that's that's fair. That's it's to be honest, Michael. It's it's not how anyone other than my partner knows me, um, because I don't, you know, run around talking about this. But but you asked, you know, the things that I uh, was kind of like a, a geek for, and I'm, I'm definitely a geek for a certain kind of animal attack movie. And I will tell you, I have my standards, and we will discuss them. All right. <laughs> and um, standards. I will also say when I say standards, quality is not one of them. So, um, excellent. So yeah, so we'll, we'll go there, but yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in, in movies like just for, for a a weird pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, uh, movies where, um, animals attack. And, uh, you mentioned uh, a little earlier when we were uh, talking uh, online about, um, whether my sympathy was with the humans or the animals and clearly it's with the animals. Yes. It's as, all as, about the animals. As it should be, as it should be. So you're rooting for Jaws is. <laughs> um, you know, Jaws, interestingly, I, my big um, affiliation is for movies where it's um, mammal on mammal, oh, right? Where it's okay. humans and it's almost always another kind of mammal. So lots of bears, lots of lions, yes. lots of tigers, this sort of thing. Uh, and Jaws is my, uh, is my one uh, uh, marine interest right um oh and i should also say the 1976 movie squirm which is another um exception to my mammal rule Mm. um uh but mostly i'm yeah i'm interested in what happens on land because there's there's something about um a uh like an oceanic you know and you've got there's a whole there's a whole bunch right there's like large gators and like an anaconda and when i was going through a, like a list of of movies online choosing which ones i was going to talk about and thinking of my about my affinity to this um i was amazed at all of the um all of the sort of river and uh, swamp movies i have not seen and part of that for me is that's too realistic i actually think that could happen and therefore i'm not there for it right yes yes um however i will also say uh you know before we start talking about the mammalian ones yes jaws was an influence for sure Mm -hmm. i saw it when it came out and i i didn't root for the shark but i also did not root for the shark right I you felt were, you, yeah, you were I felt, agnostic in your in your love. Uh, very much, very much <laughs> so, right? And the shark was fascinating, like technologically at the time, right? It was fascinating. Yeah. It was like something nothing uh, we had seen before on the screen. And I was young also. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, talk about a movie that doesn't pass the Bechtel test, right? Holy moly. Um, <laughs> no, there's no. No, not even close. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've watched it, you know, I've watched it again. I think it, I think it holds up for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it um, more and more, it, it rides uh, on Roy Scheider's um, performance as the, as Chief Brody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, yes. So Jaws, uh, an influence for sure. And also an exception to my, uh, to my uh, all mammal uh, 
um, interest in, in these movies. All right. I want to kind of get into the psychology of this. Where do you get this interest from? Like, where does this start? Um, I think it starts, uh, you know, <laughs> I was tracking my, my originary interest. Uh, I saw Planet of the Apes at a really young age. Mm. Um, and sort of by... I don't know, I shouldn't say by accident, but uh, my parents saw it in a drive-in and that I think they thought I would be asleep by that time, but I wasn't, right? You know, you know it was the drive-in thing, you know, the parents yeah. go and the kids are in their pajamas in the back seat. Yeah, you'll, and they had you'll some, fall asleep. Yeah, and they had some yeah. sort of um, family-friendly feature first. Mm -hmm. And I might've fallen asleep during the family-friendly uh, feature, but I'll tell you, I was wide awake by the time Planet of the Apes started. <laughs> Well, you have Charlton Heston shouting a lot. That would surely yeah. wake up a child. So. No kidding. And him saying weird things on the screen <laughs> about having sex with a female astronaut. It was just like, what? Hey, and I'm interested now. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, I mean, if you look at the opening, um, opening 20 minutes to, uh, to half hour of that movie, of course, there are no apes. I'm waiting for the animals to appear, right? Yeah. Because I'm a kid. I'm like, where are the apes? Where are the, mm -hmm. where are the monkeys? Right. It's in the title. And, Right. And so I'm, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and it's got, it's, it's quite surreal, you know, the, the whole landing on the planet and, and, and everything, but there's a, there's that scene. And I think it's, it's really iconic now where the three astronauts um, have encountered a sort of a, people who are, are clearly sort of unsophisticated and agrarian and don't seem to speak. And uh, they're in a, a field, I think, of corn, and then all of a sudden um, they start running, and the astronauts run too because they don't know what danger they're in, so they run, and uh, you see, uh, you hear hoofbeats, and you know they're they're um, they're um, the horses, and then the camera swings around, and you see a gorilla in full military uniform on top of this, or like a leather uniform mm -hmm. on top of this horse. And uh, I was a kid, and I was like glued to the screen because I thought, <laughs> what? <laughs> right? And and of course, you know, you know, scholarship has has looked at this this idea of the you know the the power differential between uh, between humans and and uh, animals and apes and mm -hmm. this uh, you know bizarre world where where apes are in in charge. Um, uh, but I was like, yeah, that that was just a revelation to me. I thought, what if? What <laughs> if? Right. So um, I'm still uh, like a mega geek fan of all of those movies. Mm -hmm. And I think at one point you asked me to bring an artifact. Ooh. Now, this is a podcast and people can't see this. Oh, you have, have the you have the novelizations. The novelizations, oh. I have four of them. Oh, beautiful. And I forget where I got them. Clearly some sort of... Um, secondhand store yes yes um and i got them for almost nothing and i even have um the novelization of one of the first uh series when they made it into a tv series oh a short-lived tv series yes not people not many people know that it was a short-lived tv series on i think it was cbs yep Oh. Top-rated CBS TV series, it says here, well, and, that the, um, <laughs> and the book is called Planet of the Apes, Man, the Fugitive. Ooh. Yeah, so those are my super geeky objects, That's but awesome. I'm never giving them up. No. Ever. I mean, it's a side, it's a rabbit trail, but like novelizations of movies, that's a thing that has died. And it's so sad. They were so great. They were so great. Yeah. Uh, I had the novelization yeah. of the Star Wars movie, uh -huh. uh, I which I, I don't, still have, I don't have anymore, somewhere. but I, yeah, yeah, I think I have that somewhere. I had like Back to the Future, which has some like weird things that didn't make the, the, the final movie and yeah, yeah, fun stuff. So Planet of the Apes sets you off on this path of wanting to see animals attack people. Um. Or wanting to see the what we've come to think of as a, a sort of a, um, the enlightenment uh, uh, differentiation between human and animal. I want mm -hmm. to see it challenged, right? Yeah. Especially in terms of, in terms of power. And um, I have to say that, you know, as cheesy as some of the movies that I like are, I think they have a true echo critical position that it's always people 
going naively into the wilderness. I mean, we're leaving Planet of the Apes now and moving mm-hmm. forward into like true animal attack movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always people um, either messing with uh, something in the wilderness that causes the animals to push back mm-hmm. or just being somewhere naively and thinking the land is theirs to walk on and they'll just be safe because it's all about forest bathing and and beauty and they haven't informed themselves they haven't armed themselves they leave their food out they (laughs) etc and so part of me just thinks that these movies um sort of expose people as as kind of stupid right we're pretty stupid as a (laughs) we're pretty stupid right now because i talked about jaws i want to stay in the 70s for a little while sure and talk about um a movie called grizzly <gasps> one word have you yes. seen grizzly i have seen grizzly oh I, okay i love crappy movies <laughs> yeah yeah and that's why i mean that you know when i was talking about planet of the apes i actually do think those are quality movies yeah yeah yeah. like the, the first two i think were you know they spent a lot of money on them and uh-huh. and well thought out etc and the quality got a, a little worse as it went on it doesn't matter i still love that but um but grizzly is true cheese like yeah. it's true cheese right straight up and, b picture yeah yeah and it was also called a Jaws ripoff, but I thought, uh, well, you know, because again, yep. Animal yep. Attack became big in the seventies, but I think it does different work than Jaws, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, because you know, people swimming in the sea can swimming in the ocean, like off of Maine, can have a reasonable expectation not to be attacked by a great white shark. Yes, but these people who are camping on what is supposed to be and i and i had to had to laugh at how they suggested this in grizzly the whole idea is that there's a a kind of a national park mm. and there's a park ranger and uh at the beginning the exposition says from here the land stretches out and it's been untouched since uh since indigenous people have been on it untouched and i'm just like wow first of all (laughs) in the 70s the mention of indigenous people at all is Uh unusual uh Uh, but second of all it was a it's a classic kind of you know frontierism kind of construction and and from there on in you know you're in for some completely uninformed cheese so Okay, so it's called Grizzly, so you know a bear is going to attack uh, attack campers and, and stuff. Um, and of course, the whole thing about this untouched land is that um, there's a grizzly mutation. So this is not just a grizzly, it's a 10-foot tall grizzly. Super right? grizzly. If Super you were. grizzly. And of course, um, from eating uh, the first victim, uh, it is woken from a long hibernation. I don't know, like centuries, millennia. I have so, no idea. So Jaws and Godzilla meet in Grizzly. Indeed, as it were. As it Indeed. Were. Yeah. Now the other thing that Grizzly has, other than stupid campers and uh-huh. a and a super uh, super Grizzly, is um, very bad production values wherein when the people get attacked you you get an actual disembodied arm that just a grizzly arm that just looks like a piece of stick like a stick with some fur on it and it comes you know whacking into the uh the frame and of course the poor actors have to scream and and in terror Mm -hmm. and then there are actual um uh uh effigies or, or dummies standing in for the um for the attacked people getting thrown around and thrown into the bush it See, is the remarkably cheese just, bad cheese does not get cheesier than that right oh. um and i think in the end um and you know, spoiler for those of you who who want to see this like tense drama mm-hmm. um they have to uh, the grizzly is uh seemingly unkillable until the last frame when um someone comes in with a helicopter and a bazooka which is the only thing that can can kill the grizzly yes that is how we need to tame the wild is <laughs> a bazooka <laughs> so yeah yeah hunting hunting practices you can you can you can tame the wild if you've got a, a big enough gun 
Which is, I believe, the Republican motto now. So, you know, you know, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And I think we should, you know, look forward to a resurgence of, of Grizzly, uh, you know, in, in the theaters. Yeah. Bazooka hunting will be a very popular pastime in certain U.S. states. <laughs> now, I will contrast a movie like this to something that I think is a very serious movie, a, a Grizzly Man. Mm, uh, which yeah. is the story of Timmy, Timothy Treadwell. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I also think uh, one of the things that Herzog's movie suggests is how, how foolish and the kinds of chances that Treadwell took mm-hmm. um, living among, uh, among the grizzlies. So we go from this idea that every grizzly is this huge monster that will, that will kill you mm. to Treadwell living among real grizzlies and taking incredible chances with them. And I know I watched that movie with my heart in my mouth because I thought, this is not going to turn out well. It's a really interesting pairing with Grizzly because, you know, the, the I mean, the cheese factor is one thing. And then to make it a super Grizzly is, is another thing. But then to actually place a real human, it's a documentary in a in context of real Grizzlies that you can't you can't really anthropomorphize as like they're good or bad or whatever. They're just grizzlies. Um, and he's taking some, Oh yeah. And it ends tragically. Yeah. Not a happy film at all. Yeah. Um, And, and that's, that's also why, you know, I wanted to differentiate these kinds of movies that depend on, um, you know, a, a shock factor and, mm. and, and, and bad technology, et cetera, to, to get, um, cheap thrills and then you know a movie like like grizzly man which doesn't do that at all i think is a very mm. very serious movie so i needed to inject that into my my conversation because i i do draw a yeah. big distinction but um, it is interesting if you're thinking about like this idea that humans you know just generalized um have this kind of hubris when it comes to nature um i mean mm-hmm. just the other day, just by happenstance, I happened across a a video on Instagram of two guys like trying to pat a moose. We're not bright. What are people thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, a moose yeah. is like a tank in yeah. terms of what it, the damage it can do, but it's an animal, so like we think it's okay, or you know, whatever. yeah, you know, and and again, I, I think that's a, an extremely. Um, sort of commercialized and commodified idea of of the wild the the, mm-hmm. the wild is not wild the wild is there for our enjoyment yeah. and i think that's of course yeah. not true and a very dangerous idea There's i paid to get in this park it's good it's good and and i'm and i'm gonna get on all the rides including yeah. this moose ride right <laughs> right oh, and yeah. there's a there's that famous one where um the the bison charges the tourist and rips off their pants mm. with their horn right mm-hmm. and i'm just thinking what are you doing that close to a bison? They, um, how you you are from Winnipeg? I've yeah. lived in, I lived in Winnipeg for twenty years. Bison are terrifying. Like yeah. they are big and can cause a lot of damage. But people think they're cute for some reason, and they're fascinating looking. There's oh, no yeah. there's no question. Yeah. But yeah. many things are fascinating looking that I wouldn't want to stand next yeah. to. Yeah. You know, bazookas. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And there's, um, no, again, this is a, this is a podcast, but I'm just going to play you a little, uh, can I share my screen so you can see this? Sure. Okay. Now you should see whitetail deer attacks hunter. Right. I will drop the uh, URL code for this in the, in the show notes so people can watch it. It's widely available on uh, on YouTube, and this is one of my favorite uh, animal attack uh, videos, uh, in part because I just really want to see more deer pushing back. And uh, <laughs> this is a famous, famous one. And, and I think I'm going to mute the volume because this particular one has both an English and a French translation happening at the same time, oh. because clearly we want uh, white-tailed deer attacks to be um, uh, internationally yes. interpreted. CanCon insists. Now, oh. there's a white-tailed stag, and he is <laughs> pawing the hunter. Straight up uh, slapping him. Yeah, with, with the thing. And the hunter's trying to get away, and the deer is not letting him. There is something fake about this in that it looks like the, the hunter could run away yeah so you wonder if he's just a glutton for punishment if this is staged just not very bright 
all of that, but boy, <laughs> the sight of that uh, that deer. I'm just going to rewind it for my my own pleasure there. Yeah, one more time. kick him, kick him. <laughs> well, there's something about like the idea that the 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 deer is like punching him basically with its four <laughs> instead of the we would imagine maybe hitting with the antlers yeah gore with the antlers indeed it just makes it look like it's much more comical like on on the on the hunter like yeah yeah you're not even getting Um, beat properly um and so i i have a great desire to see a like a deer attack uh film a la Mm -hmm. grizzly you know um and so if so if any filmmakers are out there, I'm 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 waiting. My 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 viewing dollars are are, are growing hot in my hand as I wait for um, stag or <laughs> something similar, right? Yeah, you, that title might get the wrong audience, um, but <laughs> probably. Ne- nevertheless, I think it's I think it's great. And I mean, shot in like the you know the wilds of Canada. I think there's I think there's a market there. I think absolutely, there. absolutely, and uh, and I think you know uh, people. Uh, who are you know sort of anti-hunting would like it and mm-hmm. um uh, there's a rumor about that particular video that I, I just showed you that the um the hunter or the guy playing the hunter is uh doused himself in a uh, deer urine in order to be attractive to the uh to the to the stag oh. um and, and of course we do have someone standing there um filming it right? yes yeah so yeah. <laughs> you know hey um, get away Stop. <laughs> that's right so the um the accuracy of this is i think is uh in question but it's pleasurable no- uh, nonetheless <laughs> um okay i um okay i'm gonna stay with uh with the grizzlies for a while uh-huh. um so we've talked a little bit about grizzly man of course about grizzly there's a, a movie that i think stands um squarely in the center and it too is a documentary um called project grizzly have you seen yes this? yes 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 where the guy builds the grizzly suit mm-hmm. yeah. so that's uh, and uh, the tension there of, of course is about um the the attack that well spoiler never happens mm-hmm. right he the um the man troy herdebees real person mm-hmm. has an meets a grizzly in the woods um at one point and thinks he's going to die because the grizzly rears up on his on his back legs and then doesn't attack him mm-hmm. walks away and he survives this but it becomes an obsession for him about thinking about how could a human being survive a grizzly attack what kind of protection might you need how would you you know what how can he build a kind of um grizzly uh, armor that would protect that, that could potentially protect a human being from a grizzly attack and the whole movie is about the design of the suit and the kind of punishment he he puts the suit through and there's a very comedic shot unintentionally comedic shot and i i heard heard of he's talking about this at the toronto international film festival years ago <laughs> where the suit because it's very stiff and you know and about eight feet tall so mm-hmm. the person can fit inside of it and still be protected the suit <laughs> has to be flown in by helicopter suspended beneath the helicopter because it's too stiff to go in the helicopter yeah yeah. and um when this was uh played in the theater everyone laughed and herdeby said said later did you think i was in the suit and we all laughed again Dude, you created a suit that the only thing it can be used for is surviving a grizzly attack there is absolutely no functionality beyond a grizzly attack you can't walk in it you can't even bring the suit in (laughs) right so it's like you better survive the grizzly attack because you won't be able to get up you won't be able to walk you won't be able to run (laughs) you know once i'm locked in i cannot leave (laughs) ever (laughs) why are you laughing at me so yeah yeah but he was you know but what i kind of admire about him is it's, it's really a movie or what i admire about the movie is that it's a movie about obsession yeah right and it's a movie about um about his you know a, a, an okay question you know how how can a, a person survive a, a grizzly attack and then of course the, i know uh, other ways <laughs> <laughs> don't go near the grizzly <laughs> yeah i you know i live in toronto never yeah. touched a grizzly once yeah so so there's that so i I think that deserves a mention because it's uh it it, 
it um, sort of uh, puts the carrot of the grizzly attack in front of him and of course in front of the viewers as well and then mm -hmm. we never we never get the carrot he never gets ah, attacked by the grizzly worded expectations <laughs> and if i i'm trying to remember order um like project grizzly and grizzly man came out around the same time like they're within a few um, years uh, about 10 years apart okay okay yeah I'm trying to remember one of them yeah um i think i was at the toronto international film festival a year that project grizzly came out that would have been oh so was i my gosh 90 97 98 would have been maybe 96 i think okay because okay. i think I, the year before okay. yeah yeah All right. um and of course since we're on the bears we have to, i have to mention the revenant the revenant right, oh. the revenant, right? <laughs> which I, I sat through the whole thing so i could watch the bear attack uh leo dicaprio <laughs> And while the scene was satisfying, the fact that DiCaprio lived was 100% not satisfying to me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, goes on to do like, you know, other, you know, dumb settler things. And I thought, well, this, this was not worth my time. You know, Should've just fast forwarded. Wait till the clip was on I YouTube. Oh, I know. So clearly, again, I was cheering for the um, cheering for the bear. And that brings us that brings us right to cocaine bear. Cocaine bear cocaine bear so i knew nothing about cocaine bear i have just been kind of living in a little bubble the last little while and have really not paid attention to things and i was in winnipeg for work uh two three weeks ago and i was like oh, i have like the evening free like why don't i go see a movie and like i'm like what is a cocaine bear so please tell me what is cocaine bear did, did you see it no oh <laughs> well, one of the things that I think is great about Cocaine Bear is that it it takes on uh, the campiness of something like Grizzly, mm -hmm. and it adds uh, some production values, but not too many. Good. <laughs> not too many. And that's also what I didn't like about The Revenant. It was, it was all this whole thing about it's, it's so realistic, it's so realistic. Mm -hmm. And I thought, no, I actually want a little less realism, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So... Um, Cocaine Bear, it is based on um, uh, an actual incident of um, cocaine being smuggled uh, in an airplane and someone needing to dump it so they wouldn't get um, caught. And so there were uh, bags of cocaine spread all over this, this park-like or, or wild area, and uh, a bear did get into it, right? Oh, now, dear. <laughs> I think I'm not sure how that ends uh, in in real life. I'm fairly sure it doesn't end like the movie ends. So I'm just yeah. going to go out on a limb and say that. <laughs> but suffice yeah. to say, in in the in the fictional one, um, we have a bear uh, getting into one of the duffel bags and developing a taste for cocaine. And he goes, she, pardon me, she, she? Uh, goes a little further down the trail and finds another bag and yet another and yet another. And apparently there's 60 or 70 of these bags spread out over this wild area. So there's our cocaine bear uh, snuffing up <laughs> the cocaine. Like, like Grizzly, kind of now super Grizzly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And, um, and of course, uh, like uh, Grizzly, it's got a kind of uh, morality to it, right? Mm -hmm. That, that uh, human beings have messed with nature and now human beings are going to pay. Yes. And pay they do. Um, so, uh, again, it is a, it is a kind of campy romp, mm -hmm. um, in which, uh, everyone who is in the park for any reason, uh, gets menaced and or killed or miraculously escapes mm. like the single mom who is taking care of her daughter and her daughter's friend. And of course, um, again, as in, um, many of these movies, the, the people who seem to be the weakest are the ones who live. Right, because they they are wilier, they are they turn out to be tougher, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, like these kinds of movies, um, the people are not imbued with all kinds of psychological um, uh, uh, complexity. So we have the single mom, we have the drug boss, we've got the FBI agent, we've got the park ranger, and everyone does their best, um, and. Um, 
maybe I won't reveal everything about Cocaine Bear because it's still in theaters. But let's okay. let's also say that there are cocaine cubs. Also, there are are oh are, the ki- the kids get into the drugs. No, the kids get into the drugs. Oh, Nancy Reagan is rolling over in her grave. Uh, just say no, Nancy. <laughs> um, so I, I like that it has uh, it has taken a cue from Campy's seventies animal attack movies and mm-hmm. given a real nod to that stylistically, right? Um, and yeah, and and maintained a kind of a kind of integrity there that the people who come to see movies like this don't want to see high realism. They want to see a kind of morality tale uh, that is is partially echocritical and partially about a human hubris thinking that we're top of the food chain. Um, and uh, yeah, and letting those kinds of things spool out over the, the course of the film. Um, putting my film studies hat on for a second, it is interesting to me how there's this group of filmmakers, like I'm very loosely associated, who have an appreciation for the campy, but are actually artistically very sophisticated and can mm-hmm. balance it well. Um, you know that they're you know sometimes the limitations make something great. Um, because you have to be creative and artistic to get it done. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work at all, like like Grizzly, but um. I, I find it interesting that there's this whole kind of school of filmmaking uh, that's looking at limitations and kind of finding something within small budgets. Yes. And I think the limitations make the convention and then people with more money, like the people uh-huh. who made cocaine bear pick up those conventions and, and make something else with it. It's not a stick with fur on it, hitting people. <laughs> <laughs> it <example>. isn't, but <laughs> But also, I mean, for the actors, I, I, I've got all kinds of questions because, um, you know, in, in Jaws, eventually, uh, when they were promoting the movie or, or when it became a very large hit, they started to show the mechanism of Bruce the shark outside of the, the water. So we, we got acquainted with some of the technology of producing these kinds of movies. And uh, so, of course, we know, um, you know, I had the extreme example of the, you know, the, the stick that is the paw and mm-hmm. the actors having to scream in terror at it. Um, and I, I wonder how far we've advanced in, in technique with cocaine bear because the animals look realistic, but clearly they are, mm-hmm. uh, there's some combination of CGI and a guy in a suit and etc. Mm-hmm. right? And still we have people having to act threatened and furious and angry as this combination of effects menaces them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you have Birdemic where you just move your hands a lot and pretend badly. Yeah, that's true. That, yeah. Yeah. Now, a couple of things I, I I want to mention. Another exception to my um, my uh, my mammal tendency in the, in these uh-huh. kinds of movies, and it is a movie that's contemporaneous with Grizzly, uh-huh. and it is called Squirm. Oh yes, okay. Do you know Squirm? I know of Squirm. I don't think I've actually seen it. Well. I recommend Squirm for any of you who are, are into the, this kind of uh, this kind of cheesy convention. Um, I you know one of the things I like about Squirm is that the acting is not perfect, but people are really committed in Squirm. Okay. And Squirm is actually about worms. Um, that um, oh again I forget what the you know the the premise is, but lightning hits the ground and it makes the worms nuclear i don't know but anyway all of a sudden um the the very ground itself is opening up with these these plethora of of what are earthworms right so it's not that the worms um become huge it's that there's all of a sudden uh you know multiples of a thousand mm. and uh and in some ways it's it's also you know the echocritical nod is to this idea that there's a whole bunch of life beneath uh, beneath the surface of the earth that we are not especially conscious of right mm-hmm. so it, they all rise to the surface and they're of course starving and they begin to eat whatever they can um so uh and then there's the the idea that these worms are like incredibly omnivorous and they will eat farm machinery and people and whatever they can get their tiny but gazillion <laughs> mouths around <laughs> yes 
So, um, so uh, I like Squirm, and um, I'll give you a, a little um, personal uh, hint to it. When when my partner and I were watching it, um, he uh, he said, "Hey, that that girl playing the the younger sister of the of the hero, she looks exactly like you at 17. And I went, "What?" And I looked and I thought, "Hmm, not a bad resemblance." <laughs> So, so you are so yes. So Fran Higgins, the young- identifying with this with this person. Okay. So yes, the the uh, the actress's name is Fran Higgins. She doesn't appear to have uh, appeared in anything else but Squirm. Mm. But Fran Higgins is me in Squirm. <laughs> <laughs> so you will always love that movie for that. I always love it. Yeah, just yeah. just to see just to see uh, Fran at her best and. Um, Best and only. That's best and only. Well, you know, it was so good she didn't have to make another appearance. <laughs> the the proverbial mic drop of of, of production. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but again, you know, I I think that that was made in in 1976 at the sort of what is sort of the golden age of of cheesy animal attack films mm-hmm. when everyone wanted to get onto the Jaws, uh, get on the Jaws bus. Yeah, yeah. and um. And again, that's the other thing about people making movies with hardly any money. You have to really want to make a movie if you're making it with almost no money. So it's like, you know, I I always like to go and see amateur theater. Um, Because one thing about amateur theater is that people have given up their time and, you know, memorize things and they're not getting paid. They're just doing it because they love it. And that doesn't always produce a good performance, but it produces a passionate performance. They are and earnest all, in their love. Yes. Yeah. And there is, there's a certain frisson to that, that I think is very, uh, very enjoyable to watch. Mm, I agree. Right. I agree. And, uh, and I think the same is uh, true of, um, of, yeah, of low budget animal attack films. Um, not, yeah, not Deeply all the actors going to, very passionate, very heartfelt. Yeah, like yeah. people have given up all their time and you know mortgaged their house to to pay for this. Max so, credit cards, whatever. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, and as I was looking um, at some, uh, you know, again at, at some websites and fan sites about this, I found a whole bunch that I haven't seen. Oh, there is a. There's a movie someone made called Razorback about a, a wild boar. Okay. And of course, a giant wild boar as befits the genre. Yes. And I'm like, why have I not seen that? A wild boar. Right. Because it's so, um, you know, and I think it's in Australia. That would make sense. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's probably one of the reasons why I haven't seen it because, you know, um, but of course, I'm, I'm going looking for Razorback because oh, I want to see that. Absolutely. I mean, Australia is a place where, you know, half of the population, half of the animal population could kill you at any moment. So why not? I mean, yeah. it seems an obvious yeah. Indeed. Type of film for them. So there's that. Um, there's another one called Burning Bright, which is, of course, about a tiger. Oh, someone oh, has yeah, someone has been um, raising a, a, a tiger uh, as an exotic pet and he lives outside the house, but there's a tornado. The guy who has been raising the, the uh, tiger is, is either lost in the storm or killed in the tornado and the tiger's in the house with his two kids. So it's never good to have a tiger as a pet. I know. I know. As we as we saw in the Tiger, tiger King, King, right? <laughs> Which is not I mean, an animal attack movie, you know. That's but that, it or it could be an animal attack movie, right? <laughs> because <have> been. <laughs> the humans are attacking each other, and the, yeah. and the tigers are entirely in the yeah. background, right? Passive and unimpressed with the people. Oh, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So those are those are my two um, must watches. Well, um, I'm so glad up. that researching for this has given you something <gasps> to look forward to. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and Podcasts I think it's all about passion. So, um, I'm looking at my list. There's two things I haven't talked about. I haven't talked about Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is really, you know, a you know, really, really mainstream animal attack mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, and you know, and I have seen them all to my shame, um, because every time I think, yeah, it's going to be bad acting. It's going to be, you know, high budget schlock. 
mm-hmm. there are dinosaurs attacking people and I'm in, right? It is. It, and it's interesting. Like it does play. I hadn't seen Jurassic Park, the first one until a couple of years ago. And I think it was a mutual acquaintance of ours. Uh, Hannah McGregor mentioned it like this is an amazing film. And I'm like, really? Like, are you sure? And I watched it. I'm like, oh, no, it actually is really good. But yeah. they do the thing like the velociraptors are not that big, but they have to find one that was that big to make it as menacing for the for the for the movie. Um, you know, oh, we found the first 10 foot tall ver- velociraptor. So like they make it possible, um, but they have to make it more terrifying. <laughs> Indeed. And, you know, um, one of the, uh, you know, again, those are, that's a series that has, you know, diminishing returns. Um, but I, I agree with Hannah that I think the first one is a, is a kind of masterpiece of, of the genre uh, in that, um, again, uh, you know, human beings trying to control nature with science. And uh, there's Jeff Goldblum Bloom saying, um, you did it because you could and you didn't ask whether you should. Good. Right. And yeah. uh, of course, the uh, the ultimate life finds a way. Right. The whole idea that these are all uh, female dinosaurs and therefore, you know, there's there's never they, they control the birthing. And I think, oh, do you? I'm fascinated at, at that <laughs> misogynist idea. Right. And again, we're back to the Republicans. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Right. And and yeah. And so um, absolutely. When uh, when the animals. Uh, begin attacking. Of course, there's the famous um, swallowing the lawyer, right? Uh-huh. Right. There's a, you know the social commentary on that, and then the bunch First of scientists. First thing we do, let's kill all the lawyers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then, of course, all the scientists and the um, and the and the kids. Of course, the uh-huh. vulnerable children. Yes. Yeah. Um, right. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I do think uh, the first Jurassic Park is was a very enjoyable movie, and it, it very much worked with all of those same kinds of tropes, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. No, you're right. I I wouldn't have necessarily lumped it in, but um, just because I don't see dinosaurs regularly, um, it does work. Although interestingly, um, so I live very close to High Park, and there's this new clothing line done by high schoolers in the in the neighborhood who are celebrating the the animal escape from High Park a few years oh. ago. <laughs> oh, <laughs> where, the capybara! Yes, yeah. where they ran around my neighborhood quite freely, and I'm kind of tempted I... to get a T-shirt. <laughs> I followed it closely and I cheered for the freedom of that capybara. And, you know, and I love that actually, you know, the capy was in, in charge of it. And, you know, the colder weather came and um, you went back to where the food was plentiful. You're right. Like we do have this kind of hubris as people that, you know, society, civilization is, is you know, sat and, and we, you know, we control this, this neighborhood. But, um, you know, during the pandemic, when people were stuck at home, at least in Winnipeg, I noticed like wildlife coming into the city in ways it hadn't before. Like there were a couple of wild turkeys wandering down my street. I lived a block off Portage. It was a pretty busy neighborhood. Hmm. There were deer downtown. Like it was, you know, and people didn't know what to do um, yeah. because they're not used to it or they think that's not, you know, that's not what's supposed to happen here. Um, so yeah, but the decrease in traffic and, and made it, yeah easy for them to come in um you know and one of my neighbors recently knocked on my door and apologized for the noise from the night before and i said yeah what was that he's like a raccoon got in my apartment uh oh my so i have a new movie uh idea (laughs) cocaine raccoon (laughs) oh see you know what Uh, raccoons don't even need cocaine they're like they're they oh they are unafraid of anything they're unafraid unafraid of anything and many of them are huge yeah i uh, i lived in toronto and i was living in one of those those houses that has that very sort of narrow kind of alley between narrow sidewalk to get to the backyard and i met a raccoon in in that alley one day and we both jumped up in the air (laughs) and both split in two directions but he was or maybe she was massive yeah and massive on you know on eating garbage and and human leavings right Mm -hmm. but that's that's yeah the size of a raccoon in a in an urban space is uh a big a big animal surprisingly small small apartment just breaking in b and e and then uh and then took off but this has been so much fun thank you 
This well, you're is, most welcome. This is so enjoyable. Um, and you have some new titles. I will put the titles that we talk about in the film note uh, in the in the episode notes, so people can people can uh, look at them. But uh, yeah. do you have some some time for some quick uh, back yeah, and forth yeah. answer? Okay. For sure. Janice, if you were facing one animal in the wild, what animal scares you the most? I hate snakes. Fair. Besides movies where animals attack people. Is there something else that you're a geek for that might surprise people? I got to say this one surprised me. So, um, Oh yes. I, uh, I am a geek for rainbow Rowell, um, novels. I'm super into her, um, Simon snow series. And, uh, I, I, you said you, you hadn't seen Jurassic park until mm-hmm. just, um, just the last couple of years. I have never read Harry Potter. Oh, okay. No. Except I think I read like half of like the first one and uh, it was clear that it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the Simon Snow series is, uh, is kind of a, um, a loving parody of uh, Chosen One, okay. um, Chosen One narratives. And it's uh, super queer and super inclusive. Ooh. And um, yeah, and I, I recommend it. Yeah. What is the geekiest thing you own? And you can define geeky however you want. And if it's the books, that's totally fine. <laughs> it, it is the books. And I will tell you, I'm jonesing for, I have Battle for the Planet of the Apes, Escape from Planet of the Apes, and Beneath the Planet of the Apes. And I just, I want to know where, like, my, where, where the original is. So if anyone mm. has a need on the original um, novelization of okay. the first Planet of the Apes, okay. uh, let me know. Because well, the, the I'm, first I'm Planet of the it. Apes. It was a novel first, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And I didn't talk about that. Okay. Um, I read it maybe mm-hmm. 10 years ago, uh, the Pierre uh, Boulle uh, yeah. novel. So it's French uh, yep. to begin with. And um, it was called uh, Monkey Planet. Monkey Planet. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, De Singe, right? Which and- sounds much better in French. <laughs> <laughs> much, so much uh, I read it. And speaking of how the books are changed when they're made into movies, mm-hmm. um, they tell this whole story of uh, you know these astronauts, et cetera, et cetera. And then you hear the astronauts talking at the end, and they're still in uh, their their capsule uh, circling the planet. So you're so the reader is thinking, oh, okay, so that's a a legend or a story that someone was telling someone else. Mm. And then it's revealed that the astronauts are apes. <gasps> whoa, <Ooh>. whoa, whoa. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So um so it is uh yeah, I and, and I I liked it as as that uh, as a as a kind of kind of science fiction novel but it didn't mm-hmm. have the it didn't have you know charlton heston saying get your hands off me you damn dirty, dirty ape. Ape. And, yeah yeah and and the and the wonderful actors who plays uh who plays zira saying when he asks if he can kiss her she says yes it's just that you're so damn ugly ah <laughs> uh, yes that's kim uh, hunter i remember uh, her name kim, kim hunter. hunter and kim hunter actually bit of um Film trivia: uh, Kim Hunter played uh, Stella in *A Streetcar Named Desire*. Yes, yes, she did. Mm-hmm. All right, last question: What was the first thing a young Tannis was a geek for? Boy, *Planet of the Apes* was very early. Uh-huh. Um, I was I was super geeky when I was a kid, and I and and I did not listen to rock and roll. Okay. Uh, when I was like nine or ten, I was super into the Irish Rovers. Oh, I yeah. just learned that a family friend or cousin is the drummer for the Irish Rovers. They were playing Oshawa recently. <gasps> oh, <laughs> wow. were very excited. Yeah, wasn't, yeah. Wasn't that a party? Wasn't it right? <laughs> and so I, I remember, like, they came to the um, like the Centennial Concert Hall in Winnipeg when I was mm-hmm. like nine or ten, and I had to go. So like. My dad, my dad took me and we, we went and listened to the Irish Rovers. That's you know, I think sweet. of it now and I just thought, what kind of kid is into Irish folk songs done by middle-aged men <laughs> when they're nine, right? Oh. But, but like I said, the geekdom knows, uh, knows no, no bounds, right? Tennis, the heart wants what the heart wants. We can't <laughs> fight it. We just, we just do it. We just do it. Oh, thank you. Okay, so your book straggle adventures in writing is out now people should adventures in walking adventures in walking sorry i keep yeah. doing this adventures in walking uh do you want to tell us a little bit about that 
Um, yes, uh, the the full title is Straggle Adventures in, in Walking Wild Female, uh, and uh, it is a, a kind of personal and and slightly scholarly look at what it means to take up space and move through space. Hmm. Um, so I was interested in what happens when a vulnerable body um, undertakes this kind of journey into nature, mm-hmm. um, where uh, human beings are supposed to be dominant, but uh, sometimes our vulnerabilities make us a lot less dominant and uh, and put us in positions uh, where we our vulnerability teaches us something or our vulnerability makes us question uh, who we are and what we're doing in that space. That sounds very heady, but I could cite, I could, I could call it. It's about, uh, it's about the pleasures and the politics of walking. Are there any animal attacks? Oh no, there is okay. not. But there are. The, I have a. Uh, there's a big chapter on deer, and um, how deer. Uh, I read this in Elizabeth Marshall uh, Thomas's uh, *The Hidden Life of Deer*, and I observed it. So deer are vulnerable bodies, right? They are often preyed upon. But Thomas pointed out in her book that they, their visual acuity is such that they can calculate how far they need to be away from the human eye and probably the eyes of other animals in order to melt into the underbrush, mm. which is why you see a deer and you blink and it's gone, mm. right? So, um, so I'm, that's one of the reasons, too, why I showed you that, that deer video, right, is because I, I've done a lot of writing about deer's, deer vulnerability, and um, I was very interested in finding out sort of about deer power. And um, so, yeah, so there's a chapter about um, female deer, about does, and uh, lead does of, uh, of um, small flocks, and uh, yeah, and their sort of matriarchal power. All right, excellent, and I'll link to that in the show notes, um, so people can can find the book. Where can people find you on social media and support you? Um, I am at Tannis McDonald on uh, on IG. Uh, I often post my uh, my today's walk there and uh, animal photos if I can get them. But you know, lo- lots of lots of book recommendations as well. Uh, I'm on uh, and I'm also on. Twitter at at Tannis underscore McDonald. So I'm very easily found, quite frankly. Um, and uh, if people want to uh, support me, I would say, please uh, check out Straggle. You can order it directly from the publisher, Wolsack and Win, and or of, of course, at your, uh, at your favorite local literary store, wherever fine books are sold. And probably not fine books. Not that your book isn't fine, but sometimes, you know, they just have, you know, an assortment of stuff. But whatever. yeah, that's right. Whatever. All right. Thank you very much. This was so much fun. It was lovely Thanks, to Mike. chat with you. Yes, indeed. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for.